Hello and welcome to Trainer's Voice, brought to you by Guardian Angel Equine Services, a podcast created for the busy equestrian in mind, for on-the-go training, chat, and learning. My goal as a horse trainer is to help improve horses' lives and performance by educating and helping their owners. These episodes are my opinions based on my knowledge from research and experience. Feel free to ask any questions. All my links are always in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome back. I wanted to um, talk about why I use negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement. Um, I think I've talked about this once before, but because we talked about communication and uh, uh, perspective on our last um, podcast, I kind of wanted to uh, go over this once more and talk about... um, why I personally choose to use both negative and positive reinforcements. Um, Now, it's no secret, you can find a lot of studies about the effects of positive and negative reinforcement. If you have been in the horse industry long enough, you may have personally actually put together your own, um, uh, witnessed your own issues with um, either or method um, by issues. So, Positive reinforcement, when done correctly, I've never really heard of a horse that ever had issues um, when it has been done correctly. With that being said, you do have instances where people are using what they don't realize as positive reinforcement, but where the whole myth of teaching your horse to bite you by feeding it treats kind of comes from that. Um, So kids mainly... Um, but people who ever give their uh, horses treats and just feed them out of hand all the time, oftentimes accidentally teach, teaches their horse how to bite um, or be very pushy because they are actually using not necessarily positive reinforcement, but they are adding a positive thing to the horse, but the horse isn't always at ever, if ever, doing anything for that reinforcement. So therefore they for lack of a better term, have no boundaries, and then they start to push that boundaries, and then that is where that whole myth comes from. The problem with that is that positive reinforcement is not used correctly, and that is how that gets a bad name. So also, if you are in your traditional way of training, or Clinton Anderson way of training, or kind of just however your negative reinforcement uh your negative reinforcement, pressure release, however you want to look at it, you've probably also come across horses who are have issues, seem to be very aggressive or um, pushy or um, even scared. Horses who don't seem to trust humans or anything like that. Oftentimes, these problems arise when they have been with a person that also doesn't either A, know how to train or teach with negative reinforcements or pressure or release, whatever you want to call it, um, or B, they have been pushed over their threshold so much that they have now been put in a situation where they either have to feel like they protect themselves or that they have deemed, deemed humans to be not good people. So... That is also effect of negative reinforcement. So 
if you're in the horse industry long enough, you have probably seen both of these reactions throughout your um, life of working with horses. And so I, you, I have decided when trying to develop my own method with how I want to train horses, um, I stopped kind of looking into other people's methods and how they train as to using it to my method. And I ended up actually researching and trying to develop my own method of how I want to train horses. And it's consisted of bits and pieces from trainers here and there, and then researching and understanding um, equine behavior and therefore putting together my own um, my own method. Now, I have not quite finished. It's taken years and years for people to come up with methods that they pretty much have put down as rock solid. By rock solid, I mean that a, a protocol that they follow. When someone says training method, that is what I view it as, is a method that they follow in a sense. So, to me, methods don't have to be followed to a T. Like Clinton Anderson, his method, you have your first exercise with A, B, and C under it, and you have your second exercise with A, B, and C under it, and you do all of these in a row, and that is his method. You follow it down the line, and some, not all trainers are like that, nor do you have to train like that with every horse, and so I'm just trying to develop my outer layer of my method and how I want to go about some things. Now, for me personally, my method is always going to change with one horse to another, depending on that horse. But the main thing that is always going to stick is that I am going to use negative reinforcement and positive reinforcement on most of all my horses. Number one reason being is because while in a perfect world, we would all want to be positive reinforcement in a sense and have train and work with our horses, positive reinforcement, not have to have, not have to make our horses uncomfortable at all, you know, in that perfect little world. However, nobody's perfect. Not all animals are perfect. The world isn't perfect. So I'm just going to scratch that idea and throw it out the window because that's never going to happen. While yes, I do perceive that positive reinforcement is a great, great, great way to teach horses and I absolutely love it. I also know that a lot of people, especially my area, are not open to positive reinforcement or making their horse to be solely trained with positive reinforcement. So instead of fighting that, I'm going to try to touch everybody I can by helping them improve, um, by helping them improve where they can. So it might be teaching someone to use less pressure versus using the pressure they've been using. Instead of trying to push them to go positive reinforcement, I'm just trying to make a minor change that's going to make them feel more comfortable versus trying to get in their face about positive reinforcement. I hope that makes sense. So that is my first and ultimate reason why I will not own, that's why I will never be a sole positive reinforcement horse trainer. Now, the next thing is, I also tend to believe that, um, you know, you have negative and positive things throughout your life. Um, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. There are rules 
there are laws, um, you know, there is pros and cons, you have the Lord, you have the devil, it doesn't matter what you talk about, there is a cause and an action, and then you have a consequence that follows that, so it's all around us, you know, it's negative and positive, there's not a just soul, you know, your horse to be perfect type of situation, and so with that being said, while I try to do the best I can without create pushing the horses over their threshold, I do 100% believe that everybody grows under pressure. Everybody learns and creates habits and develops, develops a understanding under pressure and stress. So the goal for me is to gauge where that stretch stress and pressure, how far it can go without going over or even sometimes to threshold. So I am trying to teach and grow the horse to withstand the pressure. Now, with that being said, that does not always mean that I am using negative reinforcement. I am sometimes using positive reinforcement. But Here's the thing. Our whole world revolves around operant conditioning, which is going to be your negative and positive reinforcement, your negative and positive punishment. So it doesn't matter, in my opinion, it doesn't matter what you are doing with your horse. They are always learning from what you are doing. That is why I believe that all people are horse trainers, because if you have a horse, you're working with that horse and riding that horse and you are teaching that horse in a way or another. So, um, but with that also being said, they also do classical conditioning. So educating yourselves on these things is very important. Um, I'm trying not to make this podcast super long, so please bear with me. But with everything that I've learned with classical conditioning, operant conditioning, um, all these things, negative and positive reinforcement, along with the whole methods I have learned in the past, and methods I am learning and creating my own and, you know, all this stuff and my experiences that I've had. So what I have ultimately come up with that I can tell you without a doubt, when I gather a horse and I assess that horse, the first thing I do is assess the horse, spend time with it. Usually the first day, depending on if I get it in the morning or evening, I let them be by themselves. Then the second day, I observe. I'll go out and I'll feed and I observe them from a distance. I'll observe them up close. How curious are they? I try to see who this horse is as a horse. And then on day two, I observe them up close, work with them, kind of see, are they curious? Are they standoffish? What we got going on? And when... I get to day three, I then decide how I want to approach the horse. I've gotten to where if a horse comes to me where they have been betrayed, they've been beaten, or they're scared, or they're unsure, I usually start with positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement, which usually starts with um, what I call my calm um, command, so teaching a horse to stand calmly next to me, and just keeping their head level and not stressing, things like that. And then go into some other 
positive reinforcement exercise. So getting them to realize that it's okay, that they're getting good rewards. And then oftentimes what I find is that they then become very confident in themselves. So this is like kids growing up as well. When you first have your kids and they're growing, you start off with a very uneducated child because they can't talk, um, they can't walk, you know, they have to learn all these things. And so as they're getting older, they come very, I don't know what a good word for that would be. You watch them grow into a confident young child, pretty much, you know, once they hit the age about sometimes three to five in that range, um, they start to become very confident. Sometimes it can take some kids longer, maybe six, seven, eight-ish, you know, then they start to grow their confidence. So as they learn more and become more comfortable in with themselves in their life, they get more confidence. So horses are the same way. They get more confidence. They start to test your boundaries, start to push those buttons and see what buttons they can or cannot press. Horses are the same way. So once we hit that point, then we lay down what I call easy sets of rules. At this point, it's typically when I stop positive reinforcement training and I start adding a little negative reinforcement, but not like sessions. I usually start with everyday things like catching out in the pasture. So I catch halter and tie them up and stand still. And then this grows into bathing, um, hosing off and grooming and anything and everything to do while standing tied, which turns into saddling and then doing our normal workout or whatever. And I do all of this with negative reinforcement. And then at that time we learn our boundaries. So with all this being said, it's not, I don't use a whip. I use very little pressure. I slowly increase pressure if I feel like it needs to be increased because like I said, we grow under pressure. So, but I work very hard to, to study and recognize the problems that the horse is presenting. So are they uncomfortable? How uncomfortable are they? When do I need to stop? Things like that. So I am studying the horse. I am not pushing them over the threshold. I am giving them calm down periods. So, um, at that point, once we get to a point where we have a pretty good basic of trust, communication, and confidence, we then start in on learning more positive reinforcement. So, such as um, place, which would be teaching a horse to stand still at a certain place or a target place start target stick training, we start um, all these other little things, you know, and add up on that. So that's kind of how I go about that. Now, if I get a horse that's already pushy, already pretty confident, I don't mess with positive reinforcement until we learn that boundary, until we learn the understanding of pressure and release and communication. I don't even really like to call it pressure and release if I am being completely honest. Um, because I, I, I use and I try to use it as a form of communication 
versus using it as a pressure and release, release teaching form. I tried to communicate with the horse without actually, what's the best way to describe that? Um, teaching them like a specific thing, if that makes sense. So like horses are very, very understanding. And I, so one thing is I've taught a horse, I've taught my client horse right now how to back up by pointing at her feet. I've never had to touch her chest. I just point at her feet. She understands it very well. So it, it, it's things like that, you know, horses can communicate and they understand when you're looking or touching or pointing at a body part that that pressure from just that energy from staring or pointing or looking at a certain place or walking towards, they're going to kind of move around that. To me, instead of, hey, move over, this is, I'm asking you please to move your rear end or something or to back up. So I, I hope all of that makes sense. I kind of just wanted to throw that out there. And that's pretty much kind of the reasons why I use both positive and negative reinforcement because I think of it like kids. There's rules, there's laws. You have to follow these things and um, really kind of understand that it's not a perfect world. Why I wish it was a perfect world and I wish we could all use positive reinforcement and not have issues ever um, and not have the whole traditional way of training. But you know what? That is very unrealistic. So I'm going to work with what I have. And I just really view the horses as kids and because it's the same thing they have to have rules to follow they have to have morals and uh, understanding and communication skills so i hope all that makes sense and we will talk to you later bye